Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. First Kings 17, we're in the King James Version this morning. Uh, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. How many of you know this morning, Elijah was not prophesying out of his own strength. He was prophesying out of the word of the Lord. And in this hour, more than ever, we need the word of the Lord birthed in our spirit. We need it down on the inside of us because we are in a season. The Lord spoke to me at the beginning of the year and said, we're in a word famine. We are in a word famine. And I'm not talking about prophetic words. There's plenty of those uh, hanging out there. There's plenty of prophetic words. There's plenty of pathetic words. There's plenty of man's words hanging out in the atmosphere. I'm talking about the word. We need the word on the inside of us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding out of the mouth of God. The written word needs to become a living word to you. The written word needs to become alive to you. And Elijah shows up to Ahab, who in First uh, Kings 16 says, uh, what did more evil in the sight of God than any previous kings. He angered the Lord. What a reputation uh, to anger the Lord. Let it never be said of us that we've angered the Lord. But Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel uh, had been ruling the land, had built these temples to Baal, and Elijah shows up on the scene, and I know I've said some of this in previous weeks, but you, you've got to understand the foundation of where we're at, is that Elijah shows up on the scene with no pedigree. I, I, I have this thing in my spirit that I need some of you to get this morning. It doesn't matter your history. You need to understand that this morning. I don't care where you came from. Elijah shows up as a Tishbite. We don't even have a real definition of what a Tishbite is. All we know in history is the Tishbites may have been from Tishba, but Elijah doesn't even have a record of his genealogy being from that region. So you need to understand this morning that it doesn't matter where you came from. I'm just going to preach prophetically this morning, okay? I've, I've, I've prepared some notes, I've prepared some things, but I'm just going to preach out of what God has on the inside of me this morning because we're going somewhere as a church. Now, I said a few weeks ago, and I need to correct a statement that I made. I said a few weeks ago, and, and I, I didn't say out of arrogance, but, but I want to correct something because I don't want us to ever reach a place of pride, okay? Do you understand this morning? I said a few weeks ago, I believe that God was going to use us as a starting point of revival and spread through the region. I do believe we are a starting point. I need to correct, though, that I said the starting point. Because I never want to get to a place where I believe that we have the corner on God. All right, we need to understand that Elijah had no background that we read of. So for some of us, we are coming from no background, no pedigree, no generation. No, no, you know, some of us weren't raised in Pentecost. Some of us weren't raised in the move of the Spirit. We caught the Holy Ghost, and we've just been following Him ever since. But what I want to say to you this morning is that we can never come to a place where we think that we have the corner on God. Okay, can I, can I make that clear enough this morning? Yeah. We, we may be a starting point for revival, but let me say this. If revival showed up somewhere else in town, you better believe I'd be the first one at the door, okay? Because I want what God's doing. 
I want to be part of whatever God's doing, wherever God's doing it, because that's what I believe God is going to do in this region, uh, that there is a revival spirit coming to the region, and there's a revival that's going to be birthed here. So Elijah shows up, and he says to Ahab, he says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain. You need to understand that for Ahab, who had built all of these temples to Baal, Baal was the god of weather. So Elijah is not only saying, I'm taking uh, your country, God's taking the country into famine, he's defeating your God all at the same time. We need a prophetic word in this hour from the living word that not just says what's going to happen, but begins to topple the principalities over a region. We need a people who will rise up in the authority of God who don't just predict the bad things that are going to happen. We have enough of that. We can look at the news and say, oh, we're in the last of the last days. We are in perilous times. Well, hello, yes. We are. We're in perilous times. But listen, for the last 2,000 years, we've been in perilous times. So I'm not looking at the news as my prophetic sign. What I'm looking for is what is God doing in the region? What is God doing in the hour? Because it really wasn't about the famine. It really wasn't about there being no rain. It was about toppling the principality that was ruling over the region. We need a people who will rise up like Elijah who will begin to topple the spirit of the age. Does that make sense this morning? So Elijah shows up on the scene and he says, At my word, which really wasn't at Elijah's word, what he was saying is when God speaks through me again, that's when rain will come. Right now he's saying, right now the word of the Lord is there's not going to be dew nor rain because I'm challenging the system of the hour. I believe God is challenging the system of the hour that we've been, we've built edifices to men. We've built systems that keep people in bondage. We've kept people from their destiny all for the sake of building something that doesn't actually worship God. It worships us. And God is seeking to topple religious systems. He's seeking to topple principalities. He's seeking to use a people to topple these things. So Elijah says this. And verse 2 says, And the word of the Lord came unto him. How many of you know that we cannot move until the word of the Lord moves us? So it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Verse 4, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I want you to say this this morning. There is a place called there. There is a place called there. It's important that we understand how God positions us for His work as well as His blessings. So often, God's provision or His blessings come wrapped in strange packages. And He will take us to the place called there. And that's what I want to preach to you this morning is a prophetic message birthed in my spirit called a place called there. A place called there. In studying this out, because I I do study to show myself approved, 
This season that Elijah was in had to be extremely troubling, not only to Ahab and Jezebel, but it had to be troubling to the man of God. I mean, here he is. We, we read later in the story that he feels all alone. All the prophets are dead. He feels all alone. He's got this complex. I'm the only one left, and God has sent me to Ahab, the most wicked king in all of history, to declare to him, your God's coming down. And the way God's going to do it is it's going to make the, dry, the ground dry. He's not even going to give you dew. And that's what Elijah's having to face. So God then speaks to Elijah, turn eastward and go to the brook Cherith. We're in a drought, we're in a famine, and God sends him to a place of water. Let me say to you, when one situation looks dry and dead, God has a source of provision, and it's a place called there. It's a place called there. There was boldness in Elijah's testimony. There was obedience to divine commands. There was dependence upon God's supply. But today I want to deal with something that has not escaped my spirit for several weeks. And it's this simple word, there. There. And it's beginning to rain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There occurs 2,299 times in 2,083 verses the word there. It shows up 2,299 times in over 2,000 verses the word there. Well, that's not very significant because there is both an adverb, it's a pronoun, it's an adjective. It's used in so many non-standard ways, but it simply means a place or point in this context. A place or point. There as an interjection can be used to express feelings such as relief, satisfaction, sympathy, or even anger. Therefore, we must have precise definitions for all important concepts when we come to this place in 17.4. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. God specifically gave Elijah directions for his protection and provision, and he could only expect these provisions if he obeyed God. It is in our obedience that we experience both the protection and the provision of God. So many people in our postmodern world and our Western Christianity desire a, a, a God who will simply bless them. They just want the blessings of God without the obedience of following God. We don't want to contend for blessing. We don't want to contend for breakthrough. We don't want to follow the simple steps because often our breakthrough is not found in some complicated system. It is simply followed in the ABCs of following Jesus and living by the word that proceeds out of his mouth. But so many of us get wrapped up in complicating God. God simply speaks to Elijah. It says, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, it didn't say, Go here, go there, do this, do that. It wasn't complicated. It simply said, make an about face and go to the brook Cherith and there I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. At that place, he didn't give him all the details. He didn't tell him about Mount Carmel. He didn't tell him about everything that was going to happen from that point on. He simply said, get thee up and go to that place. 
Get up and go to that place. Go to the brook Cherith. Well, what was the brook Cherith? Well, Pastor Susanna yesterday was at our house and she gave us a great definition of Cherith. I hadn't studied it out yet. So thank you, Susanna. You made my life a little bit easier. Cherith means this, to cut off or cut down. A cutting, a separation, a giving up of that which you desire the most. Mm. We don't want to go there. We don't want to go there. We don't want to go through the cutting. We don't want to go through the cutting off. We don't want to go through the separation. We don't want to go through the dying of something that we desire the most. Elijah, we, again, we don't know his history. We don't know his history in God. He just shows up on the scene. And for many of us, that's our story with God. We were once not with God, and the next moment we're with God, and everything changes. We have these radical moments in our life where in a moment things change. Now for some of us who may have grew up as pew children, grown up under the pew in the Pentecostal church, or grew up in the pew of the Baptist church, or whatever your history is, you don't necessarily have that radical story of conversion. But you have moments with God where God changed things suddenly. And I think we can all testify of moments where God broke into our lives. Where God in a moment broke in and we can say, I I was bound by this. Maybe it was just being bound by the religious system of the church that you grew up in. Or maybe it was just being bound by family tradition. Whatever it was, you can point to moments in your life where you can say, that's where I encountered God. And for Elijah, he has to be taken to the brook Cherith for what is ahead. But he's not given the details of what is ahead. And for us as a church, we are being taken to a brook Cherith. We are taken corporately. That's why there's so much warfare. That's why there's so much uh, chaos surrounding our lives. Because it is in the chaos that God begins to speak and something is created. In Genesis 1, it says, And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, and there was chaos, and then the Lord spoke. It is in the middle of our warfare, in the middle of our irritations, in the middle of our chaos, that God begins to separate. And it says, And He spoke and He separated the waters. It's in the separating. It's in the cutting off. It's in the the, the tearing apart. It's in the dying to that which we desire the most that God feeds us and He protects us. And as I said last week, He is not bound by patterns of provision. He is not bound by ways of provision. He'll provide however He sees fit in the moment. But it is in the obedience that we find protection and provision. It's in that place called there. But see, for many of us, we don't want to go there because we know what there really means. It means that we're going to have to give something up. It means that we're going to have to go through a death. It means that we're going to have to deal with some things. There is not usually the place of our choosing. It is the place that God has chosen for us. There obviously represents the center of God's will. There is where sincere intentions come face to face with mature attainment. See, so many times as believers, I I truly believe that we live with sincere intentions. 
I believe that the majority of us sincerely want to follow God. I believe that the majority of us sincerely want to experience Him. But what happens in the place called there is our sincere intentions meet mature attainments. We have to face the depravity of our own soul. We have to face our conceptions of God, our misconceptions of God. Elijah was a good Jew. He he wouldn't have eaten the unclean meats. He wouldn't have eaten... but. God chooses to use the unclean to feed the clean. He provides for him at a place of cutting. He provides for him at a place of separation. He provides for him at a place called there. There is not a place of comfort. There is not a place of ease. There is not a place where we would choose. There is a place that God takes us to separate us. There is the place where a divine drama waits to be played out. There is the place where carnality and carnal knowledge must be thrown out and strongholds are broken through the true knowledge of God. There is where holy passion is ignited through the intimacy created by the awesome presence of God. There is a place where God meets us. Elijah was headed for Mount Carmel, but before he could get to Mount Carmel, he had to go there because it is in the there, in the separation, separating that there is a place of testing. Jeremiah had to go to the potter's house. Jeremiah 18.1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. It's in the there that God speaks to us. It's in the there. Jeremiah had to arise. Elijah had to make an about face. He had to turn a different direction. So many times we get used to the direction our life is heading, and God interrupts us, and he says, Turn thee there. For Naaman, there was a puny, muddy river called Jordan. Second Kings 5 and 12, are not Abana and Farfar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May not I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in rage. See, Naaman had to understand something. Naaman was faced with an unclean water. Even Naaman, who wasn't a a, a Jew, he understood something about cleanliness. And he had to go to the unclean waters of the Jordan in order to get clean. God will take you to the place of uncomfortable uh, uh, presence. He'll take you to the place where you don't want to be to get you to where you need to be. Naaman had to go there. In, in going to the unclean waters. And it says in 2 Kings 5.14, Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. For Moses, there was the cleft of the rock. Moses desired to see the glory of God. And, and Exodus 33.21 and 23 says, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Moses had to be hidden away in the cleft of the rock, but it was being hidden in the there that he saw the glory of the Lord pass by. And it shall come to pass when my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cleft of a rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take my hand away and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. For Joseph's father and brethren, there was the land of Goshen. Genesis 45, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast and there will I nourish thee 
For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou in thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Goshen was the place, it literally means the place of drawing near. As God was hiding uh, Joseph's family in Goshen, he was hiding them in the place of drawing near. It was in the place of nourishment. It was in the place of sustaining, of supporting, of holding, of supplying and feeding. It's in the there that we get fed. It's in the there that we get prepared. It's in the there. But so many of us don't want to go to the there because it's a separation. It's a pulling apart. It's a dealing with our idols. I'm sure. Now this is me uh, pontificating, if you will, about Elijah. I'm sure Elijah expected God just to overthrow Ahab and Jezebel right at that moment. I, I don't know because I'm reading into the story. Maybe Pentecostals are really good at that. We, we create stories in our mind of what the story doesn't say, right? Have you ever heard a Pentecostal preacher do that? But in my mind, I'm thinking about Elijah in this moment. He comes with the word of the Lord to Ahab. And he says, there shall not be dew nor rain. Now, in my mind, I'm sure... Elijah was thinking, God, just strike him. It just, just one bolt right through the head. Easy. Take him out. That's not what God does. God then takes Elijah to a place called there. He separates him for a purpose. See, we, we want the comfort of the prophetic word. We don't want the death of the prophetic word. It's hard. Because attached to the prophetic word is a death. So God says, revival, I'll separate you. I'll separate you. I'll take you to a place called there. I'll take you through some chaos. I'll take you through some irritation. I'll make you deal with your flesh. I'll make you deal with, I'm going to feed you in a way you don't want to be fed. We're walking through a situation right now where we've had some real warfare with our house. God said, buy this house, and then there's like $50,000 in repairs that need to be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's a death. Because for me, it was like, well, God, when you finally provide us to buy a house, there shouldn't be any warfare attached to it, right? It should just be easy. Well, I, don't, I didn't move on to Easy Street. I moved on to Avondale. And so <laughs> when we begin to recognize that when we're going through chaos, it's not that the enemy is winning in the chaos. It's that God has actually ordained some chaos in our lives to separate us so that we can begin to see His provision in a way we actually don't want to see it. Because for me, easy would be, well, God, just send a millionaire to pay my salary for a few years. Just, you know, God, just, you know, give me like 10, 10 new clients that I don't have to do any work for and that I could just easily increase my income. And God says, no, actually, I want to provide for you through ravens. God. Wouldn't it be easier, God, if Ahab just repented and just made me the prophet to the nation? Right? Wouldn't that be, oh, we repent. Elijah, come move into the palace and we'll make it easy. And you just prophesy the word of the Lord to us anytime. Get thee up, turn eastward and go to the brook Cherith. Go to the place of separation. No, that's not what I want to do. None of us want to do that. And if you do, pray for me because you have some holiness I don't have yet. Hallelujah. You've already been to the brook Cherith and he's already separated you. 
So often we forget that it is possible to be in church, yet be in a far country and not have the nourishment of God simply because our hearts and minds are not really there. So many times we we can forget that we can be in the presence and the thrills and the chills of the move of God and yet not really be there because we don't want to separate. We don't want to die. We don't want to go through the, 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 the tearing. My spiritual mom, Berdella Tucker, wrote a book called Sweetness That Comes From Death. And it's all about the idea that in our dying, there's life. Death, where is your sting? Hell, where is your victory? In the dying process, in the separation process, in going to the place called there, we're confronted with our humanity and our our carnality. In Luke 15, in the parables of lost things, remember that the coin was lost in the house. The sheep was lost from the flock and the prodigal was lost and did not discern that he was lost until he came to himself. There is a tough place. Just ask Moses, Exodus 24, 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, come up to you in the mount and be there. God says to Moses, come up, meet me up there and just be there. See, when we go to the place called there, we don't know how to be there. We're always looking for the next thing. But Elijah was forced to wait at the brook Cherith because that was the only place there was provision in that season. I don't sit very well. Does anyone else not sit very well? You got to be busy. I mean, if my office is a mess, I can't work in there until everything is organized and put in the right place. I will go, I can't just work. I have to be doing something. And I think for many of us, when God calls us to the place called there, we don't want to be there. So we might be at the brook Cherith, but in our mind, we're looking for the next season. In our mind, we're looking. So when we're in the 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 birthing process of revival. For many of us, we're looking to the season of revival rather than looking to the birthing process of revival to deal with the thing so that when we get to revival, we're not missing it. Elijah couldn't have gone to the incredible moment at Mount Carmel if he hadn't gone to Brook Cherith first. We can't get things out of order. We've got to go through the process, and the process is, is picking up our cross daily. Pastor Anna is famous for this line. You're going to have to die to your flesh. You're going to have to confront the flesh. That's her message. I didn't ever want to preach that message. But being there means bring your whole being to God. What do we say when we notice that someone's not connecting or firing in all cylinders? He's not all there, right? Many of us are not all there when it comes to being there. We don't want to be there. For Joseph, there was a prison, betrayed by his brothers and falsely accused of sexual misconduct, and he was even forgotten. Genesis 41, 9 and 10, Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, and I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of the dream. And there was there. And there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him. He interpreted the dreams to us, to each man according to his dream, and he did interpret 
And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. He restored me into mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. But there was there. There was there. There is a place of obedience, preparation, and humbling where we gain intimacy with God through learning total dependence as we receive His revelation, His cleansing, His reviving and resurrection power. It was at a place called there that Elijah was prepared for Mount Carmel. Many times we miss Mount Carmel experiences because we won't go to the there's that God prepares for us. We don't want to go there. Jesus had a there. Matthew 27, verse 36. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, another on the left. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elijah. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joses and the mother of Zebedee's children. When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary over against the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. And we can go on through the story as Jesus is is resurrected. But he had a there. He had a there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had a there at the cross. He He had a there in the grave. But the there season, let me say this to you, there doesn't last forever. It doesn't last forever. But if we don't go there, we'll never get to the next there. If we don't go through the there's in our life, we'll never get to the place that God's calling us. We'll never have the resurrection power until we go through the death. The Bible says unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can bear no fruit. It is in our dying at the place called there that God raises us up and the resurrection power comes so that then we can go back to Ahab and say, get your prophets and get to Mount Carmel because God's about to show up. We don't get to that place. We don't get to the place where we hear the sound of an abundance of rain if we don't go to the brook Cherith. If we don't go through the death process. Listen, I'd love to just preach. Oh, revival's here. It's not here because we haven't died. We will not have revival until we die. And I'm not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about a death to our, our, our concepts of what revival is. I'm talking about our concepts of what we think the move of God is. Now, I will live by this definition because it is by far the best definition of revival I've ever heard. The manifested presence of Jesus. That is revival. I believe we have had portions of His manifest presence. I believe we've had tastes of His manifest presence. I cannot deny what we've experienced. But as a church, we have not experienced revival yet. I believe we are going to. I believe we are going to cross a threshold into a a city-shaking revival. I believe we are a place that God will visit and show up with revival. But let me say this to you. We will not get there unless we go there. 
we've got to go through the process. We've got to allow God to feed us in the place of obedience. So often we run from the people, the places, the situations that God has designed to be a blessing to us as we walk obediently and strive to glorify his name. You see, if Jeremiah had not gone to the potter's house, he never would have been the prophet who could cry aloud, it is like fire shut up in my bones. If Naaman had not gone where the prophet told him to go, then he never would have gotten his healing. He would have died of his leprosy. If Moses had not gone to the cleft of the rock, he would have never known the Shekinah power of God's glory or received the commandments from the Lord. If Joseph's brethren had not gone there, they would not have gotten fed. There's a scripture that says, and his brother said, we should go there. They had to go to a foreign country to get fed by an enemy who later would put them in slavery. Only to give us the story of deliverance. It is in our theirs that God moves. It's in our theirs that God sets us up. For Joseph, he had to go to the prison because he was set up to be set back, to be set free. If Jesus had not gone there to Calvary, we would not have the right to the tree of life. You have to understand, stop avoiding your theirs. Stop avoiding the place called there because the place called there is where God provides and protects to set you up to topple the principality that you've been facing. You want your family free? Go there. You want your finances free? Go there. See, it's in the going there. We might have to start facing our spending issues. It's in the going there. We might have to start facing our eating issues. It's in the going there that we might have to start facing the issues we don't want to face. But if we go there, if we go there, my mom who's watching, love you, mom, used to say to me all the time, you better not go there. Anyone ever said that? That's when I was being rebellious. And Listen, I'm giving you permission to go there this morning. I'm giving you permission to go there. You need to go there. You need to go to the place of death. You need to deal with the sin in your life. You need to deal with those things. You need to deal with the compromise. Maybe we don't view our compromise as sin, but let me tell you, compromise will lead you to sin. When you start surrendering the sacred a little bit at a time, it says of King Josiah that he did right in the sight of the Lord, but he did not tear down the high places. And it was in not tearing down the high places that ultimately led to Israel's next rebellion. If we don't deal with the high places in our life, those places of idolatry where we've exalted things in our lives to a place of, of idolatry, if we don't deal with those things at the place called there, then we'll never make it to the high place, Mount Carmel, to deal with the idolatry of a nation. We cannot deliver a people if we ourselves have not been delivered. That's why we keep this altar holy. That's why we, listen, I could call on talented musicians to lead worship, but I can't surrender the sacred. I can't surrender, I did it once. Nearly killed us. I can't surrender the sacred. So I'd rather do video worship and not have live worship than surrender the sacred. Do you understand this morning? We can't surrender the sacred. We can't do it. Because all it does is make us comfortable. And God doesn't... Listen, God, God's not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your holiness. But I'll tell you... When I have been in His holiness, it's the most comfortable place to be.
right in the will of God because He provides there. If Elijah had not gone to the brook, he would not have been fed. I want to go back to 1 Kings 17. Verse 5. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. He went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning. Ooh, doesn't that sound lovely? Bread and flesh. doesn't say steak, it says flesh. doesn't even say he had something to cook it on. Hallelujah. I tell you, in missions, I'll eat whatever served, served to me. I do. But Linda can testify, there's one meal in all of my years that I have turned down, and that was fish head soup. I was fasting that morning. And then I repented later because what I didn't realize is they had gone and caught the fish fresh that morning just to feed us. So I repented later. Still didn't eat it, but I repented. (laughs) It says, And bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. In a time of famine. Do you get that? All the animals are dying. You've got this death. You've got water dried up. And Elijah is found in a place where he's getting bread and meat and water. Bread and meat and water twice a day. Now, some of us that like to eat five times a day wouldn't do well. You know, I'm talking about the healthy small meals five times a day, right? Don't look at me like you're so holy. I've seen the potlucks. Hallelujah. I'm not going there. Thank you, Pastor Susanna. We're going to a different there. Hallelujah. Verse 7, it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Our life will be a series of theirs. It will be a series of God dealing with things in our lives. God had to take him to the brook Cherith to separate him, to deal with some things. And then he had to take him to Zarephath, Jezebel's country. Oh, that's exact. God, it was bad enough that I had to go eat the flesh that the ravens brought me. And now you want me to go to her area? God, are you, are you here? Like, are you aware of, don't we feel like that sometimes? Like, God, really? Brian? I mean, Zarephath? And then he says, Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain me. Sometimes I'm like, God, really? This is the plan. You could do, come on, like, split the seas, you know, the ark. I don't know how all that worked. I mean, water into wine. I don't drink wine, but you know. But you want me to go to Zarephath for a widow? God, I'm the prophet Elijah. And you want me to go to a widow's house? Do you know how bad that's going to look? Oh, here's that prosperity preacher living off the widow again. That's a whole nother message. Whole nother message. We won't go there. 
But what does verse 10 say? So he arose. Elijah's theirs had to be met with obedience. And he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. I don't even know how he knew which one it was. Like, I read these stories and I go, God, really? And he just says to her, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruse. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. That's the plan, right? Okay, God. First, it was unclean birds with flesh. Now, you've sent me to the one widow in town who doesn't even have a cake or a piece of bread, and she's about to prepare the last meal for her and her son that they can die? Thanks. That's why we have to go there, because we've got to deal with those attitudes, right? And Elijah said to her, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Your theirs will always be met with the provision of the Father. I don't care what the there is. I don't care how he does it. He'll do it. But he had to arise. He had to make the about face. He had to get thee there to the brook Cherith. He had to go to Zarephath. He had to go to the places that God was calling him to go, even if it was uncomfortable, because it's there that our provision is made. It's there that we see God work. It's there that we see miracles. It's there that God shows up and prepares us for our destiny. But you'll never get there unless you go there. You got to go there, church. You got to make that your place where you go. But see, here's the key. When the word of the Lord came to him, he had to get up and go. Too many of us want to stay in the dried up place. And pray prayers like, okay, God, send the ravens some more. Oh, God, bring water again. No, get up. Go to a new place. Get up. Get to where you need to be. It's all about obedience. Don't try and change your seasons too early, but don't try and change your season too late. If Elijah had stayed at the brook Cherith that had dried up, he would have died. If he had tried to go to Zarephath too early, he wouldn't have met her at the gate. God will meet you at the gate of your new season. You need to understand that. Provision is at the threshold of your new season. 
So I want to prophesy to you this morning. Some of you might be at the brook Cherith this morning, the tearing, the cutting away. Some of you might be at the gate of the new season where God's going to provide for you in a way that doesn't look like how you want him to do it, but he's going to do it. And then not only will you have a miracle for yourself, but you'll have miracles in the lives of others that are sustained as long as there's a drought. Do you get it this morning? There was a drought. Her son couldn't work the land. There was nothing to work. But God brought a miracle that sustained them for many days. For many days, the widow and her son were taken care of. He said, as long as the Lord liveth, until the rain comes again, this shall not dry up. It was in the place called there. It was in the place called there. Do you hear that this morning? It was in the place called there. I'm going to start wrapping up this morning, Melanie. If Elijah had not gone to Zarephath, he would have not met the widow woman and been sustained by what God had. Nor would he have been present to be used As we read on the story, the widow's son dies. That's a whole nother message. I don't have time for that message this morning. But ultimately, the widow's son is raised from the dead. But my question to you this morning is, are you there? Stop hesitating. Stop procrastinating. Move forward in faithfulness and obedience. Because if you are there, then you're in for tremendous blessing. Because he's there with you. Some of you are afraid to go there. Don't be afraid to go there. Don't be afraid to go there. Can I tell you it's easy? No, I can't tell you that it's easy. Is it going to challenge you? Yes, it's going to challenge your concepts of God. That's what we need more than ever before. I think we've settled for making God too small. We've created a God in our own image. And we face disappointments in our life that have kept us from going there. But if we'll go there, we'll be met with provision. If we go there, we'll be met with blessing. If we go there, we'll be met with the next season that God has for us. As a church, we've got to go there to have revival. I I, I want to say to you, Corporately, as a church, we're, we're at the Brook Cherith. That, that's our prophetic word. We're at the Brook Cherith. We're not at Mount Carmel yet. We're not at the place to topple principalities yet. We're at the Brook Cherith, and we're letting God feed us in ways that some of us don't like. But the miraculous provision of God is at the Brook Cherith. Some of you are looking for provision outside of the brook. But it's right there at the brook. So corporately, the equipping church, we're at the brook Cherith. And what's going to happen in this season is we're going to go through the separation. We're going to go through the cutting. We're going to go through... I know some of you are looking at me like, I thought I just came out of that, Pastor. I'm talking corporately. You might not be at the same place individually, but corporately as a church, God's causing us to die to something so that we can go to the city gates. Do you get that? 
We're about to go to the city gates, the gates of the stronghold. We're about to go to Zarephath. When we get to Zarephath, there will be sustained miracles. Do you get that? You got to catch it prophetically, church. You got to catch it this morning. If we'll go through the brook Cherith and we'll allow God to feed us there, he'll take us to the city gates. And at the city gates, we'll have sustained miracles. Oh, y'all didn't get it. That's okay. I'll let it sink in later. I'll let God slap you later. I want you to stand this morning. The thing about going there is I can't take you there. I can't pray you into it. I can't lay hands on you to get you there. You got to go there on your own. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to give you some space in a few minutes. We're going to turn up that music. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you some space to go there with God this morning. We're going to take a few minutes, and I just want you to get your heart before the Lord this morning. One of the most dangerous prayers we can pray is, God, take me there. And it's also one of the most fruitful prayers. God, take me there. Father, this morning I pray that there would be a grace, that there would be a grace this morning, God. Father, I pray this morning that you would take us there. Take us to that place that you're calling us. I pray, Father, that there would be a grace to go there. That there would be an empowerment from on high to deal with, oh Jesus, to deal with the things that we don't want to deal with. That we would be willing to go through the separation and the cutting away and the dying to the thing that we desire the most so that we can see the thing that you desire the most. God, you're not just interested in our comfort. You're interested in the freedom of a city. You're interested in the toppling of principalities for a nation. And I pray, Father, this morning we would go there. Father, let the anointing break the yoke this morning that keeps us back. By reason of the anointing, the yoke is broken. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook, or visit www.equippingchurch.us.